Welcome to I See What You Mean, a podcast about how people get on the same page or don't, or perhaps shouldn't. Today my guest is Karen Noonan, a friend and colleague who is an artist turned marketing executive. Karen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lou. Glad to be here. Thank you. I'm glad to be talking to you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Why don't you give listeners well. a short bio about yourself? All right. So, wow. <laughs> I, uh, I work Especially in the mar- artist-turned-executive part. <laughs> so, yeah. I have degrees in theater, art, and writing and, you know, didn't know what to do and spent yeah. my 20s doing things like retail management and advertising and oh, wow. writing and producing murder mysteries up and down the <laughs> East Coast. And I ended up producing music and dance for four years for a nonprofit. I taught college for seven years and just had this amazing journey. And then one day so cool. saw, yeah, I saw a marketing job advertised in IT and I went, I can do that. And <laughs> I acted my way through eight interviews and have been in IT channel marketing ever since. Eight interviews. There were eight interviews. I think they were just waiting. (laughs) They were waiting for you to blow one. Yeah, look at her background. She's got to be a big goofball, but also an actor, so they had no chance. That's so cool. Well, you made it. You wow, that was a heck of a screening to get through. You made it, and and I've always been intrigued by your work in channels. So maybe we talk a little bit about that. I just think that's a pretty cool piece or segment of. Marketing covers a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So the I, I landed here, yeah, 20 years ago, and somehow it just stuck. So in my mind, the biggest difference is that some marketers market directly to end users, and I market through other people to end users. So mm-hmm. people either know channels or they don't. At its simplest, a channel simply a route to market. So mm-hmm. it's indirect route to market. Business-to-business companies use other people to sell their things to end users. Mm -hmm. And I get to work with those other people and be a marketing consultant and give them strategy and direction and help them market our software into the uh, into the business. Well, it presents some interesting, I know there's there's some business advantage to it. The challenge to it, it for you is it presents some interesting requirements for getting people on the same page. So you're working with people who go make the sale. So you got to... Like, like there's a, a a linkage there or a, a joint there that has to move in, you know, coordination to get <clears throat> to Absolutely. make the sale. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some people, it's funny. Most of our colleagues outside of the channel don't understand that part. And they'll say, just get your partners to do this. Get them to do that. But it's <laughs> yeah, right. really, it's a sales <laughs> right. job, right? right? Right. So you have to get on the same page yes. with somebody yes. who's selling the products of sometimes a hundred other vendors. Right. So- it's not only you have to have a good product that and a good solution that's impacting the industry, right. that's impacting businesses, but you also have to be good with people and yep. see things from their perspective and be yep. respectful. Yes, and yes, yes. so it's it's part you have to have sales, a relationship part with marketing. Them. Oh, absolutely, re- yeah. that's the fun part. You have to have a relationship sure. with them. That's fascinating. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, you don't know this, but our post college twenties have a have a we're like a parallel universe. Oh, I don't. I'm not surprised, but I don't know that. Because I did some <laughs> I did some writing, too. In fact, when I graduated from college, I was very interested in writing, which I had done a bit of in college. Dramatic writing, theater, creative writing, um, psychology, wow. and politics. I had a lot of poli-sci courses. <clears throat> and I spent some time in my 20s sort of dabbling in those in different ways. 
And did some, excellent. And did yeah. some writing. Um, didn't do it as much as you did or maybe published, but a, a buddy and I did write a screen, a TV movie and attempted to shop wow. it around. But yeah, it was fun. It was a I lot of fun. I think it helps. I, I feel like all of those skills, you know, the acting and the writing and, <laughs> and even, you know, the painting and things I did, they all lend to... They lend to what you do later in your career, right? It lets you step onto a stage with five thousand people in the audience and have fun, right? You know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. lets you step into a job interview and think that it's fun, or yeah, interview someone and true. have a good time. So, true, yeah, it's good. True, that's a good point. Yeah, I, one of my professors in the drama department, when I took writing courses there, I didn't, and I and I, he, I would attend plays, and I didn't, but I just writing was my was my interest in it. He let me step up on stage when he let me. Like, yeah, go ahead, step up on stage. And I did a quick reading. It was the most self-consciously awkward thing I had ever done at that, to that um, point in my life. That was wow. really difficult. I thought, I mean, I just ran off of there as fast as I could thinking, wow, very impressive that people get up there and occupy a character and just go and have fun with it. But you just said a moment ago, have fun with it. Well, it's funny because I think acting for me, you're somebody else. So there's no self-conscious. It's it's stepping out on stage to talk about something, to be an expert, to directly engage an audience. But I think that it's a gift. I was very, very awkward and very shy Ooh. all through high school and very, very insecure. And so it's a very, very different universe yeah, for me where I get charged. I love it. Well, you have no trouble with imposter syndrome, do you? <laughs> Not at all. We talked about a lot of things as we were preparing for the show. We'll try to get to each, but let's start with one that I think is a good starting place. You've developed practices for yourself over years for what my phrase was, was getting on the same page with yourself. Some things you do that are personal that might have personal results for you, but have results in work too, have have like effects in, in your work. So let's start with, if you, if you don't mind, let's start with those, because I think it's a good starting place for talking about, well, what does that mean then when you're trying to get on the same page with others? And then some other things we talked about that we'll get to. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. I, I didn't realize there was a parallel, right, until I got into this career path, because it's when you're teaching college courses or working in a nonprofit where you're the only one in the office, <laughs> you know, all of these interesting things. You don't realize that everything you carry all these years as a human being comes with you into the office. It's impossible, right, for it not to. Right. And it occurred to me, and it's funny, I was thinking imposter syndrome because back then it was codependency was the big thing. It's still a thing, right? <laughs> and I knew I was codependent and I couldn't say no to anything. And so that was probably the first thing I realized in my 30s was I was doing a lot of work on myself to be more self-aware and understand why I made the decisions I was making and make better decisions. And I would look at people around me who couldn't say no to anything. Mm -hmm. Family asking for too much, friends asking for too much, strangers asking for too much. And I thought, gosh, how do you say no? Mm -hmm. I felt, you know, at 30, which is ridiculous, I felt stretched mm. in too many directions. And then I realized the same thing was happening at work. Like I was unable to say no. So was setting myself and my team up for failure. I wasn't delivering the results I wanted to deliver because there was no way. Mm -hmm. So I really felt like my entire 30s when I look back was about that. How do I say no? Mm -hmm. Before I can get on the same page with others around me, 
how do I get on the same page with myself? How do I make my words equal what I know needs to happen? Mm -hmm. So I know I only have so much bandwidth. Why are you saying yes? You're not even (laughs) respecting yourself, right? Exactly. So I really looked at my 30s that way. And it's so funny. You say you don't see this in me, but I'm a little hot-headed, And that's something that I've worked on through my entire humanhood, much less my personal career. Yeah. So it was like, how do I say no and how do I do it gracefully and mm-hmm. respectfully? Ah, so, so that I, you didn't let frustration build up. Having said yes too many times, frustration builds. You're not angry with someone else. You're actually getting angry with yourself. Absolutely. But you take it out on somebody else. Exactly. And that person who asks for the one thing. Right, right, right. Point, right? <laughs> like, wow, what's wrong Get with her? <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's, it's not great, right? You, I know, you know, this is a way to look right. at it too, because every decade for right. me, it was like, I am giving away my power. And I don't mean power in, you yeah, know, I'm a no. power hungry, but my ability to impact change depends on me being respected and making people feel good about themselves and being a good leader. And when you give that away or you show a chink, you can be human, but when you show a capacity to to be unkind or disrespectful or, or lose your temper, right, you lose that. Sure. So Absolutely. And, and it coincided with my foray into IT marketing. The transition. The IT okay. Channel. okay. Because it was different. You know, I was putting on a suit and going to work and sitting in a big office and had a mm-hmm. team and had to interact with executives also in suits. It was a total different, totally different world I'll than say. I had ever experienced. So I feel like that was really my 30s. Then you start looking, okay, well, that took 10 years. That's kind of a long time. (laughs) What's the next thing that I really feel like is getting in my way? And it really was. Over that time, let me ask you, did you practice some things? Uh, Do you remember a book called When I Say No, I Feel Guilty? Yes, I do remember that book. I don't know how how it was in the house. I stumbled upon that when I was still in high school. And I, I read it, and I actually remember learning a lot from it. It, it. it helped me in ways that I didn't. I wasn't seeking out self-help at the time, but it had a very positive effect on me. And I think it's still in print. Did you? I think so. Did you try things then? And so you recognized this challenge you faced in yourself about yourself with your decision-making, with your communication, with not saying no, with taking on to it. Then what kind of things did you try to change that? I'm a huge believer in therapy and mm-hmm. I've gone to therapy mm-hmm. on and off since I was probably mm-hmm. 19 years old, mm-hmm. right? Whole yeah. other story. Yeah. But I knew I had to make changes. My trajectory was not good. Gotcha. But it really started for me becoming about navigating the world with all the stuff I worked through in my twenties, all the emotional garbage yeah. that still follows me through my life. And my thirties were about, okay, how do I really now that I have a better understanding of these things sure. work on healing myself so that they're not having negative impacts. So it's a good Makes question. Sense. How do I do Makes it? Sense. I put notes up a lot. Notes well, the, on the, the therapy was a big piece of it. Absolutely. Because that's just and a then, time when you spend time with somebody and you reflect on these things and you make a plan for when you leave there, trying something different. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things you were saying, I think what it does is when you say, how do you do that? How do you practice? How do you make yeah. new habits? Yeah, right? right, right, right. And there's so much fascinating research on that right now too, mm-hmm. how long it takes to create a habit. It helps with that because you you are creating habit. You're going once a week or you're going once a month and you're talking and you're seeing patterns and you can definitely create exactly. habits yeah. that way. Yeah, good point. 
Absolutely. So then you chugged yeah. through, you got into the professional world, meaning the marketing professional world. Who's Karen? Who, who did, who, who, what'd you find out about Karen there in that suit, <laughs> in those meetings? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of things did you face next that you worked on for yourself? For, for... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, what I found is, is kind of fun and amazing. And I think the whole other conversation, but I struggled for a long time to define myself personally versus professionally, but that's a whole other, whole okay. other topic. Okay. So really for me, taking things personally, okay. I took everything personally, right? Okay. What do you mean you don't like me? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty fabulous. Like, wait, wait a minute. What, what I got, this person needs to like me. Like it was so foreign to me that in my personal life, nope, not everyone needs to like me and some people aren't, but that's not possible because I'm me and I'm kind and I'm, so that was really, what an ego blow, right? People don't <laughs> like me. But what I realized was it was destroying me at work and, yeah. and made some jobs difficult, right? Because right. then you're miserable every day. Right. When you're so self-centered that it's about you and you're not focused on the overall goal or the people around you. It can it can be destructive. Oh, and yeah. I don't think I, you know, I wasn't destroying my career, but I probably cut some opportunities short mm -hmm. because I was taking things so personally. I couldn't see through it to the opportunity. Right. I couldn't see through it to what was actually there right. for me to to grow. Well, so I think it yeah. probably cut some of that off. Yeah, even if you didn't destroy things. Or and maybe you did miss opportunities. You <laughs> you certainly made a lot of things you did day to week to month more difficult for yourself. Absolutely, right? Because worried about who likes you. There were certainly <laughs> legitimate things you had to concern yourself with, with a task, a project, a deliverable, a meeting, right? There's real things in the business world you gotta manage. And if on top of that you're personalizing some of those things, that's hard. Absolutely. So how'd you get some distance? How'd you put some distance in that? How'd you go, you know what? There's a difference between the work stuff that they might or might not. Somebody might have objected to a proposal you made and you said, but that doesn't mean they're rejecting me. How did you figure out that piece? Yeah, good question. <laughs> so I had a couple of good mentors along mm. the way who were open enough to Wow. Share that with me or cared enough, right? Yeah, right. So at the same time I was learning how not to take things personally, I also had to learn how to take constructive feedback. Right. Oh, and how horrible does that feel? <laughs> like you do like me and you're telling me that I did this horrible thing or my work isn't good. So, you know, gosh, I hate to even say this, but I have two amazing parents. My mm -hmm. father's passed. Mm -hmm. Two of the most amazing humans you've ever met. Didn't parent us the way I parented mine, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. And I feel like they missed out on some amazing things yeah. by not yeah. being introspective. So yeah. I I had two things, whole other vein. I want to take us right. down, but no, it I is gotcha. important. I wanted to be a strong enough person not to do the same thing right. in my personal life and professional life. And... When I lost my parents, which I knew I would, I wanted to be at peace. Uh, so in conjunction wow. with working on professional, personally, I had to find forgiveness without gotcha. an apology, Gotcha. which was amazing. Whole other story. Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. I was t telling someone about it last night. Honestly, an amazing sermon from my rabbi. 
made me realize ah, the, the free right wow. the freedom you can get it was all about forgiveness and so that was a flash of insight of you heard something and you went it, it just the light bulb went off <clears throat> absolutely wow yeah yeah so and it did translate professionally because okay yeah i mean to me it was just this Someone said this to me the other day. Someone was being poorly behaved at work, and I was in an amazing leadership forum I just joined. And this person was talking about this insolent subordinate who is disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And another one of the people on the call said, is he a good person? Mm -hmm. And she said, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And the other woman said, does he get up in the morning and kick the dog? Right. Oh, no, this is a good person. So I need to forgive whatever is causing this at work. Right. Or, okay, is this a bad person? Do they kick the dog? No. Do they like me? No, but they're not a bad person. Right. I just, not everyone's going to like me. And so it was this whole, and I could still manage them. They could do a good job. We could get a job. Exactly. Not going to take it personally. And this sounds so harsh, but it is more important for me to be respected than liked. I like to think they both come hand in hand. I think I'm kind and fair and all of those things. But I'm just not going to be to yeah, everybody's right. taste. But right? as a manager, then, you want to be respected. Absolutely. Otherwise, you can't get a job done. You can't. You can't. And if someone says, eh, "Gosh, she can," you know, I. I well, I people might say. People might say, um, "You know, I, I like Karen." And any of I'm talking to you, so I'll use your name, but it, it applies to all of us. I like Karen. I probably wouldn't hang out with her over the weekend. Yeah. But I like working with her. I'm learning something. She runs the team. Those are the, that's the kind you separate those things. Those, those, not those worlds, but we got to think about those things separately. Absolutely. And you think about, I have a couple of, of women in my life who've come with me Mm -hmm. earlier in their careers from job to job. I've taken them with me Mm -hmm. and every one of them has said to me, you are not the easiest person to work for. Interesting. They've made me better too. Like being Excellent. conscious that just because I work 60 hours a week, I can't expect that from everyone else. And and even though I wasn't expecting it, I was saying things that made them feel that it, way. Exactly. But, but I would rather, and they're friends outside of work, I would rather have people say, gosh, we really love Karen, but I learned nothing from her. She just wasn't a great boss, but I really love her. I'd rather them say, Gosh, you know, sometimes she's difficult, but I learned so much. Right. And I'm thankful for my career. Right. So, and I think all of that went together. And, yeah, and it, does. it was thanks to a couple mentors who cared enough to say, you're holding yourself back. You've wow. got to stop. You're lucky. You've got to stop. I'm, I'm so lucky. I, I mentor a lot because I feel like I was given so much. Yeah. So I think that's really, wow. really important. That's very cool. I want to shift in a second because this is a great sort of stepping stone for what we can talk about next. I want to share something with you. My first real job out of college, besides odd jobs I did, was with, was in a community mental health center. Remember, I said one of the three things I was exploring psychology. in my 20s was psychology. It was a fabulous job. We worked with severely mentally disabled adults in a daycare setting, residential, a voc rehab, right, different settings. And I learned so much that I've used all my life about, and there's a 24-7 operation, so three shifts of staff, yeah, and and you have to be tight as a staff because, you know, you're a parent, kids, you know how kids can split parents, kids can, these clients, they were clients to us, they weren't patients to us, we were doctors and hospitals, we were 
They were clients. They were beautiful people. They were wonderful, wonderful people. We all got to love them very much. They suffered greatly. We loved them very much. They'd split us in a heartbeat. They'd oh, manipulate wow, us. Like they would, oh, yes, yes. So we, we, had, <laughs> we had to be really tight. And one of the ways that we did professional development, and I'm in my 20s, was we did what was called supervision, which often is twice a year in some circumstances. Every two weeks, Karen, every two weeks, you're sitting down with your supervisor to talk about performance issues. And we did it 360 before it was called that because my supervisor was in direct contact with the same clients. So they reasoned, sure, I'm the supervisor and there were others in different departments, all in contact with the same clients. I should give my staff feedback, but they should give me feedback about observations they've made with, of me with the clients. I'm like, what, what? We're going to do what? (laughs) I not only had to learn to take constructive feedback, I had to learn to give constructive feedback. That's harder. I think it's harder. Well, you know, if it's your job and you want to keep your job and you're going to do this every two weeks, you figure out, I've got to do it. I've got to get good at it. And it benefited me enormously, Karen, in my whole life. Absolutely. Yeah, it was really, it was really, it was a... The job was an awesome experience for so many reasons. I wanted to share that with you because of your comment about how do I take constructive criticism. So thank you for sharing some things that are were very personal. We, we all have them. We all start there. What I mean by that is what we bring to work, like you said, we bring our whole oh, yeah. selves to work. And if at work, as a manager and you're... Right now, and maybe for some years, you've been above mid-level manager. You're up there higher in the hierarchy, right? Yeah. So you have responsibility for getting people on the same page. Absolutely. In different ways. We can talk about what that means in your work. But just generically, I'm thinking there's a relationship between you being on the same page with yourself and how you interact with others and how you get others on the same page as a team. And I'm thinking that if you hadn't, manage some of these things as you've had as you as you have over decades where you've got some peace with yourself and you are on more on the same page with yourself if you hadn't done that people can see it people can detect it so while you're trying to manage others mentor others lead others get people on the same page i think people detect it and there's a lack of credibility in us and maybe a lack of trust in us we might be saying the right thing but if we're not walk in the talk people see it so you set yourself up for some professional success by the personal things you did what did you see as the relationship or what do you see now as a relationship between you being centered sort of on the same page with yourself or if you fall off you know you know how to get back on the same page with yourself and getting on the same page with your team or keeping your team on the same page with you and each other what's the relationship i I love that people can't see i'm smiling because I had to get on the same page with myself and someone else this week. So, <laughs> oh, heavy sigh. You know? <laughs> yeah, because on top of everything else, I, I, gosh, I hate when people talk about being emotional at work and you picture, especially women, right, weeping or crying or oh, screaming wow. because that 1950s perception still exists. But when I say Let's get emotional at that. work, Let's come back. I yeah. want to talk about that. All right. <laughs> I feel, so there's a quote in my office 
I'm going to read it to you. So this has been my key to success. It's Viktor Frankl. Between Mm. stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And it's across from my desk because that is my reminder, and I look at it every morning, Mm -hmm. that you have to take a breath. Mm -hmm. Getting on the same page with yourself means you slow your mouth down so that it's in line with your rational thinking, right? Mm. Which is important at work. Mm. So yeah, sometimes I don't do that. That's my, that's what I'm working on in my fifties. Fair enough. But I'm super open with the people I work with. So I do do a lot of cross-functional work. So I have a team, we have teams that support us. We support other teams. And before you, you know, before you, you're answering the question yeah. I asked you, but before you go on, can we stay on that quote for a minute? Yeah. I've read Viktor Frankl this years ago. I've never, I don't remember that line. I love that line. I Life-changing there's, when there's I read that. There's a space between stimulus and response where you can make a choice. Yeah, and that's where your power and your freedom lies. That's, well... In that space. Yeah. Right? Well, knowing it, his experience, we know what that meant to him. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, but, but it's very profound. And so when you read that, what was the, what was the click? What was the epiphany? You, I, I called this podcast, I See What You Mean, for that very reason. When you have that yeah. aha moment and go... Wow, I see what that means for what would how'd you what was that about for you? It was so huge. I I'm a I'm a quick thinker and I'm a quick doer and I see a problem and I fix it and I yeah. see an injustice and I say something because okay. it's my yeah. responsibility to fix the world. Gotcha. Um and everybody in it. So <laughs> it 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 gave me a break to go, wow, you know, Ooh. that trigger response. Nine times out of ten isn't the right response. Was that like like an exhale? Like, <sighs> oh yeah, because you're like, oh my gosh, that's the secret. Keep your mouth shut and think. The beauty of that space, just because you say something to me, I don't have to respond right away. I can take a moment. Just because I see an injustice doesn't mean I have to throw on my cape and. And so that's funny, too, because behind me, there's another quote that says, <laughs> I'm fairly certain that given a cape and a nice tiara, I could save the world. <laughs> you're you're so beautiful. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, in juxtaposition, these two quotes. The, that's the, you. I can, that's <laughs> you. I can fix anything <laughs> and shut up and slow down and make better decisions. That's right? you. You're in juxtaposition <laughs> to yourself. That's hysterical. Yeah, it's really funny. So... You know, you know can I? You know what I, yeah, I, yeah. I? I've had that experience myself. Where if you slow down and reflect for even a few seconds, I have noticed I might still say or do what I was about to say or do, but it comes out different. Bingo! Yeah, for sure. If it was more reactive, like that, in you know, real fast reaction, it might be harsher. It might be. I don't know. There's some things about it that could come across in ways I really wouldn't. I don't think we're helpful, but if I pause, I might say or do the same thing, but by being more intentional, I noticed I had more control over it, meaning me. That's what it is. That's not, what it not is. Not the situation. I had more control over myself and I could operate better in the situation, or I think I could operate more effectively in it. Absolutely. Okay. 
the the method I told you I was working on? Yes. The for coaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Frankel quote captures it. Oh, I love it. It's that moment. Yes. I'm calling it the Q method, C-U-E. I'm talking about people picking up communication cues. And I'm, ta- and I'm going to teach people how to create that moment that the quote highlights. Wow. So the idea is there's more to communication than, what's, than the words that were said, than there's more to what the words that were heard or the reaction we had. If you pick up on some cues and follow the cues instead of following your reaction to them, that, that takes two different places. Yeah. If I follow my reaction to a cue and I say, Karen folded her arms across her chest, I'm just dismissing her. Yeah, it might have been... If I checked out what, the, what, the, what I saw, what it meant, it might have been, oh, I'm cold. I Absolutely. I got to get out of here. It might have been, I'm, I'm hungry and my stomach was growling. I was trying to cover it. Right. It might have been something else. That's a trite example, but it, it illustrates the importance saying, yeah. of it. If we see the cues and, and ask about them, we can, yeah. we can generate a different conversation with that information and we can lead to different. And I'm trying to help teams build shared knowledge and a shared intent by doing this that they otherwise wouldn't have. So the quote just knocked me out. I'm so glad <laughs> it did. It knocked me out too. I just, it, it, to me, it's so impactful. It's like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to work on. <laughs> and and that would have kept me from having to apologize this week. <laughs> Which to me, admitting that you're wrong and apologizing, I think there's power in that. So yeah, I did that. I was in a situation with someone much younger than me at work. And this individual, I felt had crossed some lines, but in all fairness, it's a stressful situation. There's not enough information. Nobody has the right swim lanes. This is a good human being gotcha. who, who is like, like I was at, at his age and just hungry and, and I was sharp with him. Mm-hmm. I don't yell, I'm not, but I was sharp, mm-hmm. you know? What are you doing? Like, what, <laughs> what? I just said stay in your swim lane, right? So I hung up the phone and I was like, ah, oh, I did it again. <laughs> but I'm only three years into my 50s, so I get a pass. <laughs> I have seven more years. To so, get it right. Oh, so I called, I called this person's boss, who's also someone I respect and a mentor, and I said, I did it again. Okay. And he talked with me through it. And I'm like, I know I have to fix it. I know I'm doing it. Anyway, I I, I set up a meeting with the, the young man this week, and I apologized yeah. because and, and what I did with him is what I usually do proactively with my team. And I say, I'm going to give you a glimpse into me. Because A, I think yeah. it helps people get on the same page with me. And B, I hope they learn something. Yeah. So I go through the decades. And I say, you ran into what I'm working on this decade. And that is taking a space and not reacting emotionally, but but processing. And I'm sorry. I, I I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. And he was fantastic. He said, you did. Uh You really hurt my feelings. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. And this is why. And we had this amazing conversation. That's that's awesome. I loved it. And my, I told my mentor and he said, that's what I like about you. You you take constructive feedback. So I feel like if I can be humble and I can apologize to people around me when I have screwed up and I will publicly apologize you know, honestly, happened a couple months ago on a on a huge call. Somebody was so disrespectful to me, mm-hmm. and I just tried everything. Let's let's take this offline. Let's talk. And finally, I just I snapped and I said, "You need to stop." Mm-hmm. 
we'll do this later. I like and, that. But. <clears throat> you know, I know it wasn't allowed. I know you can't do that, Karen, as a leader. Anyway, or as a woman, I don't know, but I wasn't supposed to do it. But I, I purposefully, my my team was like, we were so glad you did that. You, yeah. It was so Well, horrible. you didn't start there. To, you didn't start there. You ended no, there. No, I didn't. It ended there. But but I took the opportunity to say to my team, I owe you an apology. It was inappropriate. And I'm not sure what the right thing would have been to do. I'm going to think more about that. But I'm not happy with the behavior I displayed in front of you. And I don't want you to think it's okay. okay. So I want to apologize to you. And, and the other individual apologized to me. He realized. But anyway, okay. I think that's... Yeah. I think being um, so productive and we talked through it. And I, and you know, once again, you ran into my Achilles heel for my 50s and I did everything I could. And I, I didn't know how else to gracefully. And I said, what could I have done? Mm -hmm. What would have stopped you? Right. Right. And he didn't know because he was in his thing he's working on. Right. Yeah. So I think if you're, open and honest with people you were both around banging you. Achilles heels, weren't you? <laughs> exactly. Pulling on them. So, right. That's part of getting on the same page. And I don't proactively say, Oh, as your boss, you're going to realize I'm a right. train wreck in all of these areas, but no, but you were I, honest. But I, yeah. But I will talk to them about the two things I think are really important for you to know in the workplace. One, what are the things you're working on? Don't give yourself 10, choose one. And master it uh, on that level, not on the I need you to write well right. level. And then and then the other one is know your know your things, whole other conversation, but know what four things you need to be happy at work so that you know when it's time to go mm-hmm. or when it's time to look for a new opportunity. And I just try to be conscious of the fact that it's not always going to be the right job. It's not always going to be the right person. And if I'm open to hearing things that are uncomfortable, I can keep people on the same page. So you're talking about each person knowing what matters to them in the job. Four, two things, Absolutely. three things, four things. What matters to me in the job? So there, there should be some self-reflection. Am I getting them? Am I doing things to achieve them? You're helping them size up their satisfaction I, I, with the job, but it really comes down to that, doesn't it? It really does, because I think you're not on the same page if you're giving direction and you're asking things of people and you're having meetings and you have no idea if people are happy or being fulfilled. Right. You're not on the same page. Right. And I can't be responsible for, for everybody's happiness no. at work, but I do think you, it's getting them on the same page with themselves. Well, you have taken responsibility what, for having the conversation. Absolutely. And that to me as a leader, I have a budget and I'm responsible for a number but I am responsible to grow everybody on my team. Some people are good. They want to be in the same job. They're going to be happy. They do a great job. That's great. Most are not. So I take that very personally. It is my job to grow you, to understand where you are, show you the path to get there and get you there. Otherwise, why am I in this role? It doesn't make sense. So your definition of getting on the same page includes connecting with them in a more personal way as it pertains to Professional growth, you're not talking about growth, their, sure. you know, their relationship issues if they're, they're, they're parents or a, or a spouse, but you want a whole person in the job. Absolutely. And you, and, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, it, mm. I never thought of it that way, but that's such an important concept. I do because if you aren't introspective at work, 
you aren't going to be on the same page with others. If you don't think about how what you do impacts other people, if you don't think about, is this making me happy? You're not going to be productive. So I do believe if you're not on the same page with yourself, and, and you said it, like, yeah, we're not talking about your marital issues, and I'm not talking about the argument you got into with your partner or whatever, your kids. If you need to talk, I'll do that. Yeah, you but know? that's not what... Yeah, but but it's my job to make sure that you're fulfilled here because you are spending eight to ten hours a day away from your family and your children. And you need to feel fulfilled to be productive and you need to think about how it was like my journey, right? It's not just taking things personally in my personal life. Right. I'm doing it at work. So yeah, I and think you know that, that everybody has a, a journey like that of their own. You're not trying to Absolutely. be a therapist, but you, but people bring that to work. That's what we started Absolutely. off. We bring it to work. And so your job is to, I think just by the vir- virtue of the fact that you're willing to have those conversations with people, if they don't want to have that with you, that's okay. But you're giving them the opportunity to have that conversation in that space. You can make something happen together. Absolutely. And you know, and- good. Yeah, I'm sorry, you said something important, which was they don't have to. Right. Some people want to talk, some people don't. I'll always offer, hey, these are some things I do. Find your four things, figure out what you're working on, right? It's not going to be therapy. We're not going to talk about it every time. But if, if can you recommend a book? And then yeah, I right. go to HR right. and I say, hey, I've got a person working on communications. Can you recommend something, right? I'll go to HR. That's their professionals. They're helping us with that kind of development. So, well, yeah. look, you don't care. I mean, you you would you like to see people do what you've done. You like to see people do what we're talking about because if it makes them more fulfilled in their job, they perform better. They make a better team member. Sure. They get maybe stronger teams this way. If they don't want to do that, you don't care as long as no. they keep performing. Now it comes back to, all right, then in my job as a manager, I have some responsibilities. We've got to perform. We've got to deliver. We've got numbers. We've got whatever measures. And if someone's personal stuff is not impacting work, and they don't want rock on. If yeah. this personal stuff is, is impacting work, hey, look, I don't want to get in your personal business, but you're bringing, you know, your behavior at work has this. People have told you your behavior at work affects. Absolutely. Okay, so that's fair grounds. Yeah, and you don't, it doesn't, it can't be personal, right? Legally, it can't. Right. But if you come to me for mentorship, that's what we talk about. What are the four things? I need to know what drives you. And even as your boss, I need to know what drives you. Or, but you know, even if I didn't come to you for mentorship, if I was working for you and you came to me and said, let's talk, and then we sat down and you said, you know, in the past few meetings, do you realize you're sitting there rolling your eyes? <laughs> Sure. Do you realize? And and because you're going to say to me, people see it. You're impacting the conversation. You're impacting a speaker. You're impacting some others. What's going on? If I don't want to tell you, you can't make me. But you're making me aware that my behavior is affecting the team. That's where your responsibility comes in. And if I stop behaving that way, cool. If I want to work with you and say, look, here's what I'm struggling with, you'll do that. If not, you expect me to take care of my business and stop impacting the team. Yeah, and and absolutely. And there's, yeah, there's no 100% success rate for anyone. I I had someone at a previous role whose personal life was impacting his professional life. And, you know, all I could say was I can tell something's going on. Right. You can talk about it or you don't have to. 
this is what I'm seeing. We need to fix this. So how we fix it is up to you. We can get you help. You know, you have all the resources have, people right, care about right. you. So, and, and the person chose not to do that. And I've seen people still pull it back together. This right. person didn't. Exactly. Imploded on the job. And that, you know, that's okay. You just have to hope that they, they come to resolution on their own. Exactly. And you may, you said something that reminded me of Kevin Coleman Mental Health Center. It's called something different now, but that's what uh. it was called when I, we were working, as I said, with severely mentally disabled adults and we made log entries in a, in a formal book every shift anytime we interacted with any client we made a log entry about our interaction and we were taught to be descriptive in our in our entries and not evaluative and that meant something very specific medically and legally i could not say karen's hallucinating it was not i'm not a psychiatrist that's not my job to say that i had to say i was talking with karen and she's standing in front of me her eyes were darting back and forth around me looking at things her mouth was muttering not in the conversation where i had to describe what i saw appearance interesting behavior and communication we taught we were log, the abcs of logging it was great because all my life and then and later on you know i went to graduate school for conflict resolution i did some conflict resolution work and in an intermediary role i was able to say things descriptively that people were could see more easily Whereas if I had said something that sounded more evaluative or judgmental, I caused a reaction in them just by my words. Even if I was onto something, I caused them. It's the difference between saying, you know, I saw you wrinkle up your face or, or, or frown or, or roll your eyes. You describe a behavior. People don't really deny it. They might say, ooh, did I really? Didn't mean to show that. But it's different than if you say, you're being an ass. <laughs> or, or, you know, you were so disrespectful of, of, of so-and-so when she was speaking. <laughs> I mean, because then that's an evaluation and they could, Absolutely. that's an evaluative statement. They could get defensive. I'm not being disrespectful. Now you're gone. You're not, you, you missed the point. But if you describe the behavior, it's a much better starting place for a conversation. I'm writing this down because I've, I've done that before. The ABCs, Appearance, Behavior, and Communication. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done that. Done where I've said you're being disrespectful and then I don't understand how. So that I need to practice that. That's well, you know, work. and I'm you know learning. what, for me, Karen, I, it's in that space of the Victor Frankl quote to me, because if yes. in that space I can describe some behavior, I have a more productive conversation than if I sound like I've judged the behavior. That's often not a very productive conversation. Let's talk about what we've been talking about with gender. Sure. It's a hot topic. <laughs> it, 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 it is a hot topic. We've talked about this a little bit. Is there something special, meaning particular, something particular or unique about the things we've been discussing with regard to getting people on the same page, your behavior, your communication, that has to do with you being a woman doing those things that might not be the same for me doing those things? We could maybe do the same behavior. Is there something different going on because of gender? One of my colleagues, he and I had this conversation this week because I asked the person I had to apologize to. I said, do you think I offended him because I'm a woman? Because I've heard you give worse, you know, more harsh, constructive feedback to people and nobody Ooh, stops and has an issue with it. Interesting. And he's super honest with me. He said, 
can't say I agree with you. Don't think it has anything to do with you being a woman. But I want to, I hear what you're saying. And I understand you're being sensitive, which is right, what HR tells you to do. But I respect this guy. So <laughs> I do think there is implicit gender bias. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it in myself. If, if I have women who work for me who, and this is probably feminists all over the world are going to hate me for saying this, but I felt, I always had this feeling that at work, I need to be a person, mm-hmm. not a woman. Ugh, feminists are rolling over in their grave. Because I think a lot of what I bring to the table as a woman is important, but I also think I bring a lot to the table because of many other things. Mm-hmm. My upbringing, my religious upbringing, all of that. Mm-hmm. There are things I do believe women and men are different. We're silly if, if, if we think we're not. I do think there are things that I have to be in control of. My emotions, not all women. Some women are more emotional creatures. I do. I don't cry at work. I'm not crying at work. You're not going to make me cry at work, right? Mm-hmm. I cry, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, easily in my personal life. So I'm not doing the, we're the same. We're not the same. I do think in some situations, and I don't, I do think it's not always seen or understood it's happening. But yes, I do think if I get angry if I raise my voice, if I express displeasure. Or that time when you were sharp, you were sharp with someone. Absolutely. I hear men do that on calls all the time. They don't apologize. So I do think, A, I should be held to a higher standard because of the position I'm in. I shouldn't lose my temper. I shouldn't do these things to be respected as a leader. But I do also feel that as a woman, there's a whole other level. I had a female colleague call me last night. There's an, an issue that um, she's dealing with. Former colleague. She's at another company, but she was getting my advice. And she said, one of my other female colleagues went to our boss and expressed displeasure. And I want to do it now, too. But I'm afraid it's going to be, oh, look at all the sensitive women on the team. Mm. So she reached out to a male colleague and said, how are you feeling? And lo and behold, he felt the same way. Right. And she said, I need you to communicate that. Right. Because if I'm the next person to communicate it, it's look at the women on the team all being sensitive. If if you do it, we'll, I think we can get further. So, gosh, I hate to say it. I, You know what's funny? When the whole Me Too movement started, I was like, I don't, I don't understand that. And then lo and behold, I remembered something that happened 20 years ago mm-hmm. where I was touched inappropriately in a room in front of other people. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> so now I understand. So 20 years later, things have changed a lot. And they haven't for some people. For me, I do feel like I, I work in a safe environment where no one's going to grab me in front of other people again. But I do think I have to be careful. I think I'm extra careful about how I communicate and what I communicate about because you are, there are adjectives that are still used mm-hmm. to describe strong women, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, a strong man is a good leader. A strong woman is, you know, an inappropriate adjective. Mm-hmm. So I think it's hard. You could be, someone could have an opinion of you, of you because you're Jewish. For sure. Right. Still, which is amazing too, right? <laughs> People could have views of us for different reasons. And gender could be one. Age could be one. Is... They're a difference. Are they, are, they, are they the same kind of phenomenon, just the dividing line is the, the category? She's 
I, yeah, absolutely. And and add, I'm still privileged. Add, I'm a woman of color, right? Right. So I think in general, I feel very privileged. I do. I, I'm very lucky. I've had a lot of different opportunities in my life. And, and yes, there are other categories. And everyone right now is so focused on implicit bias training, right? We yeah. go through it. Yeah, uh, I find I find myself almost doing the opposite. When I interview people, I want to hire a minority. Like, am I being fair? Am I hiring someone who is the right person? Oh, my gosh, do I have implicit bias? How do I fight it? So, yeah, I don't think it's special, uh, but I do think it still happened. I don't think I'm. Yeah. So how, how far do you reflect? How far do you question yourself? You could, you know, we, we could question ourselves into a place we can't get out of like you get ourselves stuck how much do you challenge yourself question yourself um reflect on these things process these things is there were how much do you process these things to decide what to do in a situation when you have to ask yourself am i perceived some way because of my title or my role because of my gender because of my religion because they happen to know I have an acting background or a, a drama background, right? We could go on and on with this and drive ourselves sure. nuts, but it seems like some of it might be useful to ask. So where's the line? That's a good question. And I do, I get in rat holes with that, right? You know, is it really because of this, isn't it? One of the unique things about the job I have is, you know, we record a lot of our meetings. I'm sure everybody does, right? People can't be there, so you're recording them. Well, and you're, you're, you have and people listen. around... Around the world, don't you? Um, that I interact with. My team is Canada, Latin America, U.S. But my colleagues are definitely, I'm on meetings, global meetings. Okay. So, boy, that's a whole other fascinating right, conversation. Right, right. Is communicating with people in different cultures. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah. That's so, I'm looking at my bookshelf because I have a great book about that. So, I've listened before, right? Like, how do I sound? How do I sound to other people? And could I do things differently? How is it coming across? I have asked people, you know, yeah. I need you to be honest. Was I out of line? Yeah. And one of my mentors, the one call I was talking about said, I listened to the recording so I could mm -hmm. give you feedback. And I, you did everything you could. And then you did this. There had to have just been a better way. You had to do something, right? So, and that's right. when I said, is it because I'm a woman? But I don't like using that. Like, I don't want to use no. that as the excuse. No, you know, no, you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. But you want to know if it's a, if it's part of something that's going on. I do. Because here's the thing. I'm not going to fix the world. If I could, there'd be no prejudice in the workplace or outside, right? Like, I'd put on the cape and tiara <laughs> and the world would be like rainbows and unicorns. But I don't have that, unfortunately. So I do have to monitor myself. I do have to understand how I impact other people. I do have to say, regardless of whether it's because I'm a woman or because I was out of line, I have to fix that behavior if I want to be respected, right? I mean, what choice do you have? The choice you have is to keep running through and being a bull in a china shop and giving away your power and people lose respect. And I, I mean, power over yourself, right? right? No, Not get, power yeah. over the people yeah. you work with. Or so, so I think, oh gosh, I hope that's not a cop out. I well, can no. continue to talk. I can continue to make a change and, and, and try to get people around me to be aware of their own biases, but I cannot fix them. Can't. And if somebody wants to look at you in a certain way because of any marker, let's call them a marker, the color of your skin, Absolutely. your gender, your re religion, your title, that can't be helped. 
for you to think about how you act in situations and ask yourself against your own criteria if that's the way you want to act. Absolutely. Or would you make some improvements, some changes, is the thing that's sort of your purview, right? That's that's in your span of control. That's a really great way to put it. And I, are people perceiving me the way I want to be perceived? When I walk out of the room, are people talking about me in a way that I feel good about myself? Is the conversation, gosh, Karen has all this stuff together, but she just can't keep her temper, or however they perceive it, right? That's not what I want. So I can't fix them, but I, I, it is important to me to leave a good impression, to impact people in a positive way. So I can think about how sure. I'm doing that, sure. you know, sure. and, and I always say you can put me in a suit, but I'm a goofball. People know that about me. I'm, I can, I can be the most professional person in the room. I can get up on a stage and talk to 5,000 people in a suit or in a hoodie. I'm silly and I want to have fun. And that's one of my four things, right? So people know that about me and that my, I think most people know my intentions are good. But yeah, but it's my job to make sure the footprint I leave is, is what I want it to be. Well, you know, somebody could look at, that's a great point. And apart from other markers that are, you know, gender, age, or somewhere socioeconomic, someone could look at your silly behavior and think it's unprofessional. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, we got to be ourselves. We can't be, we can't perform in a job the way it wouldn't be possible, it wouldn't be advisable to attempt to perform in your job the way five or 10 or 50 other people think you should. That's maddening. Absolutely. So there's a line somewhere in there, which I don't know, you know, there's probably, we're talking about this for half an hour or so, but probably people who study these kinds of things and, and maybe have struggled to find the answers. What is that line? I mean, I guess if you have an intention, if you want to be, if you have an idea what it means for you to be a leader, so the, so I think the starting place is where we've talked about awareness of oneself. So there's not a lot that is lost on Karen, about Karen. You're aware of things. Doesn't mean you act every way, ideally the way you'd like to, but you're aware of things. So you can reflect. If you have an intention of handling a certain situation a certain way, you can evaluate yourself against that. Absolutely. If there's something about, there could be something about being a woman that's, facilitates that that's positive in that there's could be something Absolutely. about being a woman that works against you in that situation you said a rabbi was a, a sermon by a rabbi was something that gave you an epiphany in your life that changed your life well then there's something about being jewish that benefits you you don't bring it to work as a jewish thing but it came from your background absolutely you bring it to work as a karen thing but it came from your background so this is this is these are sort of slippery things. It might not even be the right question to ask. Is there something about being fill in the blank that helps or hurts? I suppose the answer is always yes to both. Maybe it just comes back to you have an intention of how you how you want to be in a situation, how you want to handle a situation. Because let's not forget that situation is a means to an end. How we handle that situation has something to do with what happens with the team or the client or the customer, whatever. It, it's a means to an end. So you have, Absolutely. you're being intentional about something as a means to an end and you can evaluate yourself on that. But how are perceived by others? I think it's something good to be aware of. We can't control. We couldn't spend too much time. 
I always got, when I was learning to do the feedback thing with my, my supervisor as a young professional, she said things I agreed with. She said things I didn't agree with. So I learned early in my, in my life to hear the feedback and ask myself, do I think that's right? I didn't want to reject something for being defensive. That's egotistical. But if she said something that I thought, no, that's not how I saw it. That's not what I was thinking or feeling. I could dismiss that. I wasn't gonna. Lo- I wasn't gonna get spun up over it. I was sure. gonna take feedback that was like, "Oh wow, good observation, great idea. I can do something with that." But sometimes you get feedback. You have to go. You you process honestly and go, "I don't think so," and just leave it. I'll say this after talking to you in a, one of our prep calls. As a male executive, I called female women, female women, female staff other sometimes they were uh, you know report direct reports to me sometimes they were they were direct reports to others who reported to me i called some and said i have a question for you have i did i ever act in a way that was sexist to you because i didn't i wouldn't have meant it but i could have come across that way they all said no but one said no but <laughs> but <laughs> no but Something happened one time that I wondered if it was because I'm a woman of color. And it was more the color part than the woman part. Wow. That's what I said. I, <laughs> that's exactly yeah, what I said. Yeah, you have to go, whoa. Wow. And she described a situation to me, which I didn't recall. Like nothing came to mind. And she said, it might have been me or it might have been my imagination, but it made me wonder if being black had something to do with it. Her, the takeaway for her was, did she have to work harder to be noticed, to be recognized, to be sort of the, the, the classic, you know, at the seat at the table? The takeaway for me was I couldn't go back and reconstruct it. But I said to her at the time, wow, I am sorry that even if I didn't, I didn't, I don't think that way. I don't think I'm not going to do something because that staff person's a woman or that staff person's black or that staff person wears a yarmulke. I don't think that way. I don't process information that way. It doesn't factor into my decision-making. And if I've got biases that I can't see, I ought to be able to see them. They should be a pattern. I could recognize the pattern and go, hey, dude, you're telling yourself about, you're telling yourself this, but you're behaving this way. We've got to square this up. So I apologized to her and said, I didn't mean that. And I'm sorry, it, sound, it, looked, it, it, it looked that way. And I said, I wish I had, she had asked to participate in something. I said, I wish I'd taken you up on your offer. I regret that I didn't take you up on your offer. She was someone I respected as a consultant, and she sure. was young-ish and trying to learn. And I said, I'm sorry I didn't take you up on your offer. And she's considering doing an episode with me, so that would be fantastic. Ooh, but I had, to, I had to do that after we had the conversation to think, to say, how am I perceived even if I don't mean to be, to, to represent myself that way? I think it's a good question to ask. I do too. And I, I think her... I love that she was that honest. Yeah, me too. You know, and I do the same thing she probably does, which that's my first question. It's prevalent right now. It's top of mind. Is it because I'm a woman? And then I stop and go, or was I just a jerk? Right? Like, (laughs) and I think we, we have to do that because sometimes it is going to be implicit bias. Sometimes it's going to be because I'm a woman because people are, human and yep. even good people who don't wake up and kick the dog show implicit bias right so i think it's good to ask and then i think it's good to go okay 
Yeah, you got to make a not. decision, because right? Because I'm a woman, maybe right. I was just a jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think. I or, think, or I if it was you because you're questions. a woman, you, we, if it was because you were a woman, there might be something you can do about it. There might not. I mean, this is where we get to in our own processing. What Absolutely. Do we, what do we do with the information? If I can do something with it, I will. If I can't, got to, I got to carry on. And it's interesting. It's not what you said, the ABC appearance behavior communication. But what I have learned to do instead of saying, you said that because I'm a woman, right? Is to be able to say, I'm curious if if there's anything that I did that impacted that. I'm curious if you think I might be perceived differently because I'm a woman. And if so, what can I do? Or I might be judged differently or whatever it is, right? It's not attacking. It's it's asking questions and not accusing or not diagnosing. Accusing. You're You have a prejudice because I'm a woman. Gosh, boy, that... Anybody, right? That gets your hackles up. No, I don't kick the dog. Right. I'm a good person. Right. Yeah. Very, very true. Well, we have covered, it's been a great conversation. We've covered a lot of issues and, and covered them in some depth and real honesty. I appreciate you sharing these kinds of things. Fun. Absolutely. Is there anything that we, we haven't talked about you wanted to touch on or you wanted to go over? Gosh, that's a great question. I think I honestly, I think it's no, I think this is going to, pro- I'm probably going to call you back and say, yes, there's this <laughs> thing you said, because I've been taking notes. I just am a huge believer that, gosh, being self-aware makes, makes your life richer, makes the world you live in richer, enhances not just your personal life, but your professional life. And I totally respect some people have no interest and their lives are full and fascinating and you right. can't force it. For me personally, this journey of self-awareness, of being on the same page with myself and others and trying to facilitate that has has made my life just like amazingly rich. I'm glad to hear that. And I would say, <laughs> for as a friend, I'm glad to hear that. And I would say, I'm going to say something I can't back up with data, but I'll bet if we talk to 100 people and, and ask 100 people, did you have a great leader in your life? And they And, and, and everybody had one. I bet you that person was more in touch with themselves than not. I bet you those people had done the kind of journey we've talked about and pro- and, pro- and continue even into the later their career. They continue processing information like we're talking about, right? So you're just, you're staying would, aware yeah. of things. I was going to say, you, there's a young man who I respect so much. He, uh, in a prior job, I hired him and he... He just, he's brilliant. He just helped me build and do great things. And I like him. And we, we didn't start out great. Mm. Like I liked him and I hired him, but he's Brazilian and he was living in Ireland. He's now in Portugal. (laughs) I just, I love his life. We could not communicate. I would be like, interesting. you're so insolent on the calls. Like, see, I wasn't ABCing. I was accusing. Like, I don't know how to do this. And he would be like, you talk in circles. I don't even know what you want from me. <laughs> and um, and then I walked to my bookshelf. It wasn't me. It was him because he's so wise. Here's my book. He oh, um, got this book, The Culture Map. Okay. And it's all about how people communicate. In different regions yeah. and, and how some yeah. are high context and low context. And he read it and he said, would you read this book? Oh, wow. And he made me a better leader. We read the book. We talked we about how to it. Communicate. And he since moved on and I moved on. But we just talked last week and it meant more to me, not than anything, but it was so important. He said, I- I'm not happy at work. Yeah. I'm looking for a leader like you. I've never had a leader like that. And. I said, well, then you, you become that leader, right? Like uh, you become that leader 
And then you interview the next person you work for and you, you don't have to work for someone, you know, you're so smart you have so much going wow. for you. You can choose your next boss, but that, that well, he, ability to have an impact meant so much. Ab- absolutely. He meant, it, it meant a lot to him that you read the book. Oh my gosh. It changed my life. Of course. Yeah. But he, it meant a lot. He respected you for say, okay, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll talk, I'll talk to you. But that's, that's, that's courageous. I, I applaud you for that. Oh, it was him. It was him courageous to go to your boss and say, will you do this? Right. And true. That's true. He made me a better person. That's true. When you mentor someone who makes you a better person, right? That's. Well, and bonus. that's something I think I also hear, geez, I wonder what the research is on that. That's a fascinating question. I hear that a lot from people I respect as leaders, that they, that that people they've worked with, often subordinates, made them better people. Absolutely. How lucky is that? That's just a bonus. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, no, that, they're, yeah. Very, that's icing on the cake. But it also says that that's a person who's open to continually learning about themselves or learning about situations or learning about, because if you, if you, I think if you, I think if you're static, I think if you think you have achieved, attained a certain level of something, performance, knowledge, and then you can just stay there, like, you know, when you're playing cards and you, and you, you just hold, hold pat. No, no. Musicians, athletes, people, actors, always learning something about the craft, right? There's always something to learn. You never master a golf game, even if you're the master. There's always something the game teaches you. There's always something to learn about what we're talking about. A leader, a team, in a situation, how that leader gets people on the same page or doesn't. And I I think, Karen, I think it turns out to be a a fairly personal thing. There are best practices. There are HR rules and guidelines, but I think it turns out to be a very, it's just a human thing, personal in a sense of human. Sure. Yeah. And you know what? It's scary. Hmm. It is human and it's scary. And, and you have to be willing to, to look at the bad and the ugly in yourself and admit that it has impacts in every aspect in your life. And not necessarily bad or ugly, but things you'd like to do differently. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, not not everyone wants to do it and that's okay. You know? Right. Right. Well, like we said before, it might be th- might have been things that worked for you at a time because they were needed at that time. That Absolutely. But they don't work in situations today. So you kind of. But this is the point: you're updating yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're constantly updating yourself. I, I I like that. I get energy out of that. Yeah, for for sure. For me, me too. You talk about, and this is a whole other conversation, but you talk about the different things we can be judged by gender, religion, race, you know, everything, mm-hmm, right? Everything. <laughs> How you drink your coffee. Mm-hmm. I've always been self-conscious about, I don't want it to be that I'm stagnant, right? Right. I don't want to be judged by the fact that I'm not stagnant. I want to understand what's important. Yeah. And that's everything from ageism, right? I think about that. I know in the next five years or so, I'm going to be judged that way. So I'm, I, I want to stay current and I want to still be relevant. And as a human being, I think it's, there's so much that goes into that. I admire the things you do and great conversation. Wow. It was a very energizing discussion. Thank you. I thought so too. Thanks for the opportunity. I had fun and and learned a lot. I did too. Got it. I'm yeah, gonna... thank you. So did I. I've My pleasure. I'm going to... got more to do. <laughs> I love it. I am going to look up the Victor Frankl. Oh my gosh, do. 
I am. I am. I love that line. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you. This was super fun. Let's do it again. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Karen. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's how we see it, my friends. I want to thank Karen for recording today's episode. You can find it at iseewhatyoumean.castos.com, plus all the usual places. Send questions and suggestions through the app. Subscribe and give me a five-star rating unless you can't, in which case, let me know why. And join me next week when we take another look at how to get on the same page and stay there, unless we shouldn't.